Hi everybody, thank you so much for checking out our podcast. If you'd like to know more about us or connect with us, then please do go to our church website and we would love to get to know you some more. Here's today's message. We hope it blesses you, encourages and inspires you. Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they didn't bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60 some a hundred times what was sown. Good morning. I want to start by prompting you with a few questions. How did you feel when you couldn't meet in church? These are all rhetorical questions. It's not a, uh, you know, feedback thing. How was it when you, couldn't, when you couldn't attend the home groups and the Bible studies? You couldn't listen to sermons? Did you feel as if your faith stood still and went on hold? How did you feel when you had to wear a mask wherever you went, whenever you went out, sometimes when you went in? How did it feel relying on chance meetings in the street to catch up with old friends. How many of us felt isolated and alone, even though we were surrounded by people and friends? 
Did you, like me, feel that your family was growing up and changing and it was all happening just out of sight? As if you were watching through a misty window or listening to children play the other side of a wall. Lots of questions. These are just some of the uncomfortable emotions that we've, had, we've experienced over the last few months. But now we can feel spring is coming. Strange to say that in autumn, isn't it? We can meet together. We can have family and friends in our houses. We can meet up and chat. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. But what about when something happens in our lives and we know that all those pleasures are gone forever? My parents are both dead. My dad died 11 years ago, my mum 30 years ago. But I still miss them. There are still times when I want to talk to them about things that are happening in my life. When we hear the stories of people who've given up their lives to Christ in other countries, they live the loss that we've just tasted every day. They're cut off from family and friends, they've lost that support network, but for them, there's no spring around the corner, there's no hope of a vaccine that will turn off the alienation. They are outcasts, they are bereaved. We are commanded to honour our father and our mother, and yet there will be times when we have to honour God before our father or mother. One of the problems that Deb had when we went abroad was the fact that her mother didn't really like this. She came to terms with it, but she wasn't very happy about it. I can remember when I was an atheist, but I was searching for some better way to live my life. I was fixated on all the things I would lose if I became a Christian. All the good times I couldn't have, all the beer I couldn't drink, all the things I couldn't pinch, all the girls I couldn't kiss. There really weren't that many girls, but a man can dream. But what I didn't understand was that what I was giving up was so trifling compared to what I was about to receive. We're not supposed to come into the kingdom because we think we'll win on the deal. We're supposed to be picking up a cross. And I didn't fancy picking up a cross. Yet we do win on the deal. We pick up a cross and we win on the deal. And there's the paradox. I was getting a relationship with God and all I was giving up was dishonesty and drunken nights. I wasn't giving up my family and my friends. What must it be like for new believers in places where they have to give up family and friends? Or they might actually die for their faith. Or perhaps worse, they might not die, they may just be treated as if they are dead. To be the son or daughter or brother or sister that nobody speaks about, nobody speaks to.
The choice is to live a life behind a mask that disguises who you are or to take off that mask and face the consequences. A good friend had given me a New Testament to read in the few weeks <coughs> when I changed sides, basically, when I moved from being an atheist to being a Christian. And I was blessed in that I hadn't thrown it in the bin. I liked the girl, she'd given me a Bible, I was too polite, so I didn't just throw it away, I hung on to it. And then I became a Christian and I read that Bible. Now all of these years later, I try to read my Bible every day and I try to deepen my faith and my understanding of God through that. But think how it must be to become a new believer in a place where the book is either incredibly expensive or just incredibly hard to get hold of. When we were in Uganda, one of the things we did was train pastors and Sunday school teachers how to deliver better Sunday school. A church in Plymouth gave us some money that we used to buy Bibles so that we could give a Bible to all the people who completed their Sunday school teacher training. Because we often came across Sunday school teachers who were borrowing Bibles because they didn't have their own. Who will put a, hand, who will put a Bible in the hands of a new believer now? Or even an established believer for that matter? Is it you? Or are you still expecting that church in Plymouth to do it? Think about how you would feel if you didn't know another Christian. How would you grow in your faith? How would you worship? Where would you find the strength to carry on? In the story of the sower, some of the seed grew and flourished. Some got, even, got eaten up before it had even germinated. But some grew and got scorched by the sun or got choked by the weeds. Some of us have flourished and grown. But how might we have managed if we were surrounded by unbelievers who wanted us to go back to our old ways? What might have happened if we'd been in fear in fear of our status, in fear of our relationships, or in fear for our lives. When I became a Christian, I didn't tell anybody for months. Not because I was afraid of being attacked or harmed. I was embarrassed. I had been a loud and proud atheist. Everybody knew what my position was. And I didn't want to tell everybody that I'd been wrong. So I didn't. I was in the Navy at that time. I just waited until my next draft came around and I left that ship. Dougie, the guy who used to go out on drunken nights all the time, and arrived at my new ship, a Christian. The biggest obstacle for me was my own pride. Other people have much harder struggles to face. A pastor we worked with in Uganda, Pastor Alphonse, really nice guy, pastors a church and meets with his flock, but he calls them the final quarter. 
Pastor worries about the other three quarters of the seeds. Pastor, goes to the, Pastor Alphonse goes to the bars and the clubs and he meets with the drinkers and the drunks and those, all those people that generally speak, people that Christians in Uganda don't have anything to do with those people because they're the fallen people. But Pastor Alphonse thinks that maybe, just maybe, if he stands beside them, some of them might be able to get through the weeds and the brambles and maybe they can bear fruit as well. That works in Uganda because Uganda is essentially a majority Christian country. What about in majority Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist countries? Who will stand by the Christians in those places? Somebody like Witt and Helen. They're working in Thailand. Christians form about 1% of the population in Thailand. Christians are few and far between. Fellow disciples are hard to find. Witt and Helen try to bring Christians together for mutual support. It's not like the story in the film we saw. People aren't hostile to Christians in Thailand. They just don't care. Now, you may have picked up my accent. I don't know. I don't know if it's obvious. I haven't got an accent. I'm from Liverpool. And people in Liverpool support two teams. They support Liverpool and they support whoever is playing Manchester United. I read on the internet that no matter where you are in the world, you're never more than 15 feet away from a Manchester United supporter. No, I didn't. I made that up. But it's an entirely believable thing to, to hear. When we were in Uganda and in China and in other countries we've been to, people knew who Manchester United were. They'd heard of Manchester United. And to find a fellow supporter of Manchester United all you had to do was walk down the road wearing the shirt. People recognised it. Really used to great for me as a Liverpool supporter, but there you go, move on. But how do you find another fan when wearing your shirt is dangerous? In this connected age, people can connect over the internet, just like we heard the story in the in the film. Just as most of us have been staying in touch this last 18 months, it's not great, but sometimes you have to make do. In our church back in Rushden, rather like you are here, <clears throat> when it became clear that COVID was a real thing and it wasn't just going to go away, we invested in the gear so we could live stream the services. Initially, it was for everybody because we weren't meeting in church. And then later, when we went back to church, we carried on live streaming, just like you are here, for those people who were unable to attend, for whatever reason. Some people are avoiding church because they're afraid of catching something. People are still doing that in Rushden. We meet in church, but there's people at home who don't want to come into a crowded environment, so they still watch the services from home. So they're staying away because they're afraid of catching something. In other countries, people avoid church because they are afraid of being caught. 
And so, for some Christians, the only way to have fellowship is via the anonymity of the internet. We, as Christians in a free society, must try and help and make safe fellowship possible for those people who live in less free societies. I wouldn't know how to start setting up a website or a Facebook page. Wouldn't have a clue. But if I had a teacher, I know I could be taught. But teachers cost money. Who paid for the teacher in that story? I'm not much of a gardener, but I like growing stuff. Primarily stuff I can eat. Can we have the next slide, please? So I've planted two grapevines in my garden. One of them is thriving. That one is about four and a half feet high. It's nearly as tall as me. The other one, not so much. You can just see it. It's about a foot tall. Hasn't really grown very much at all. I think I'll get grapes next year from the first one. It's really coming along. You don't get grapes in the first year. I know this now because I've read the books. The internet knows everything. The other one, hmm, it's really struggling. And I'm going to have to help it if I'm going to get any fruit from it. Why should it be that way, you might ask? They're both in the same garden. They're about 15 feet apart. Why should it be that one is clearly almost dying and the other one is thriving? Allow me to show you. Next slide. There we go. That's the second one, the one that's really struggling. And now the next slide. And that's why it's struggling. The area it's planted is made up of rubble from my extension and stones from the garden. And it's about 18 inches deep of rubble and stone. It's got about an inch of sand on top to make it a nice smooth surface, and then about another inch of soil on top of that. So although it looks all right, it's not. I can't really expect my grapevine to survive in that. If I wanted to do anything, I'm going to have to help it. How can we expect the kingdom to grow in places where life is really tough unless we give the Christians living there a helping hand. When we were working in Uganda, one of the phrases we used to use both in our Sunday school teacher training and in our safeguarding training was that we wanted the children to thrive and not just survive. If I want my grapevine to thrive and give me the shade that I've planted it for and to give me the fruit that I've planted it for, I'm going to have to invest in it. I will have to help it for the first few years until its roots are deep enough to find the good soil that's underneath the stones. So, as I sum up, I ask you, how did you feel over this last 18 months? What can you do to help people who are living their lives in difficult places.
and how can we all help people who have to live their lives always behind a mask? <laughs>